0: As the labor market stays so tight, the military is having trouble competing. The Defense Department says it's looking head-on at a recruiting crisis. The services are scrambling to find ways to bring in recruits. Here with the latest, Federal News Network's Scott Massioni. Scott, fill us in on the situation, because I think it even affects the Army's ability to field its end strength.
1: That's right. And it's not just the Army. So right now, the Army itself is currently 4.3% below congressionally authorized levels for 2022. The Navy itself is 1.5% below. And the Air Force and Space Force together are about 1.6% below. And just adding the the final one in here, the Marine Corps is about short by about 2.1%. So they're not even hitting the goals that they had for 2022. Now, the goal for 2023 for the army was supposed to be up at 485,000. They changed that for 2023 down to 473. They readjusted thinking, well, this labor market's hard. We're going to take a pass on this year. Now they're bringing they're coming back to Congress and saying that their estimates are going to be between 445,000 and 455,000. So much lower than what was expected for 2022. And what was predicted for 2023. Is
0: the problem in the Army, I guess, and to some extent the other forces, the fact that fewer people are available to recruit or coming in volunteering to recruit, and they still have the ongoing problems that too many people are overweight or have some kind of a drug problem or something that makes them unfit otherwise?
1: Yeah, there's quite a few factors that the Army has pointed out for this. And you know, one of those, obviously, is the just the current market right now. And that's, uh, it's just hard for employers to pick the right people and the people that, that work for them. The others, as you mentioned, only about 29% of uh, young people between 17 and 24 years old are eligible to serve. And then even an even smaller proportion within that number are actually propense to serve. The Army pointed out that there are a, a number of things that... Uh, are creating this gap that includes a lack of trust in uh, American institutions, a lack of the really just the knowledge about the military and just, you know, how they interact with the military. It's not like in in the days, the 1940s, 50s or 60s, where many people knew soldiers or knew other people in the service. Now it's really kind of a niche occupation for some people.
0: Plus, they drafted you whether you knew anybody or not back in those days. And do we know about the Navy at all?
1: The Navy's down about 1.5% below its authorized level. And at this point, they're not really going into anything uh, in terms of dropping their in-strength. However, the Navy is planning to ramp up some of its active duty and strength over the coming years as it continues to grow and grow its fleet. So this is something they'll be keeping an eye on, but have not made such drastic measures as the Army has.
0: And let's get back to the Army. They have some new programs they're launching to try to get people to sign up.
1: That's exactly right. What they're really starting is a prep school for service members, and that's going to be better preparing recruits for physical and academic rigors, the way you can think about this is it's kind of a boot camp for boot camp. So before you go into basic training, you're going to have to go through this this 90-day program. There's off-ramps at every three weeks. And the soldiers or potential soldiers at this point have the opportunity to either do a fitness track or an academic track. Now, the fitness track, anyone who is 6% body fat or Uh, lower above the Army standards, and those standards are about uh, 22% body fat for men and 32% body fat for females in terms of the highest number, they will try and help these people lose about 1% to 2% of body fat per month over these 90 days so that they will be able to get into basic training. On the other side of this track, the academic one, they're just really going to be bringing in math tutors and English tutors, help people sharpen their skills learn a little bit more about the military, and then hopefully be able to do much better on the Armed Forces Qualification Test uh, later on when they decide to take it. One interesting statistic that was brought up is that the Army is seeing a 9% decrease in Armed Forces Qualification Test scores since COVID started. They're, They're really blaming that mostly on remote learning and just sort of the uh, you know, helter-skelter sort of schooling system that, that people have had to go through during this pandemic.
0: Is there any precedent for what the Army is doing in the post-draft era?
1: It is. Uh, in fact, the Army has had a few issues with recruiting over the years, particularly in 2008 and also in the early 2010s. In 2008, the service implemented a prep school that was focused on purely fitness. It brought in more than 2,700 soldiers, boasted about a 95% graduation rate. And then in the 2010s, they did something similar where they were just kind of helping people with academics and with their fitness in general, and also giving them waivers if they were a little bit more overweight than the Army would have expected. So there is some success with this, and the Army is estimating that this course will cost about $4 million in 2022. Considering their larger budget, this isn't a very big ask for the amount that it could pay off in terms of getting their in-strength up.
0: Well, the beauty of the program is that when you are in your late teens or early 20s, it's easy to drop the weight really quickly. And it's also easy to learn two plus two just because your brain is more agile, just like your body is, I guess, at that point. And to the extent that we know, they haven't reduce their recruiting budget or the outreach that they do in communities through the recruiting program, have they?
1: No, in fact, they're trying to do much more in those uh, situations. One of the things, one of the more short-term initiatives that they're doing is extending 420 of their best recruiters across the nation to some of the areas where they think they'll get the most recruits. They're uh, creating enlistment bonuses up to $50,000. They're trying to entice recruits with quick ship bonuses for those willing to get to work in 45 days or less. And they're also establishing six regional marketing offices. Uh, new ones, in an attempt to bring people in and revising their tattoo policy so that people with, uh, you know, tattoos that are a little more visible will be able to come in, considering that may not be really a factor in how they're doing their job. And
0: what about the Coast Guard through all of this? How are they doing?
1: Yeah, we're seeing the Coast Guard, who has record retention rates, is also having some issues with their enlisted personnel as well. At this point, there are 1,100 people below they're congressionally mandated and strength. And this is something that they're not really at the uh, you know extreme issue that the army is at at this point. But they're starting to be concerned and they're amping up how they're reaching out to people. Some of the ways they're reaching out is trying to put more money into online and gaming and things like that. Ways that they can reach people through TikTok and other ways, really taking people from the school front, as they said to the home front and getting into their homes, into their cell phones and trying and, and talk to them. So that's one way that they're doing that. And they've also just said that it, their talent management system has not been revamped in the past 75 years. That's something that they're just going to be planning on doing over the next few years as part of their strategy for the next few years.
0: Federal News Network Scott Massioni thanks so much. Thank you. Be sure to check out his story at federalnewsnetwork.com.
2: Hello, I'm wife CEO, Shane Canfield, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Lessons of Leadership. I'm honored to be joined by Angie Bailey, founder and CEO of Ananda Life. Angie has a remarkable career in public service, beginning as a GS2 clerk typist with the Social Security Administration. And over the next 40 years, Angie steadily worked her way up through the government, ultimately becoming the Chief Human Capital Officer at the Department of Homeland Security has been recognized with presidential rank awards by two administrations for leadership, innovation, dedication, and commitment to the country. Angie, thank you for joining us.
3: Thank you, Shane. What a pleasure to be here.
2: Angie, you've made quite a name for yourself as a leader in the federal workforce. Who was the first person you remember looking up to as a leader, and what about them inspired you? you
3: no, know, I often think about this because, you know, sometimes we think of the people that we look up to the most as being somebody that throughout our career has you know, been at the highest levels and all. But I, you know, I've got to go back to honestly, whenever I was 10 years old. And uh, I remember I really wanted to play little league baseball on a boys team. I was the only girl. And interestingly, it was the women who would keep saying to me that, no, I couldn't play. And then one day, whenever I was there to sign up yet again, uh, there was this guy, his name was Delbert Beiser. Stepping in or stepping up and taking on the challenges that sometimes no one else wanted to do.
2: Angie, thanks so much for joining us today.
3: Oh, thank you, Shane. It's such a pleasure. I I really appreciate you giving me this opportunity. Thank you.
2: This has been the Lessons in Leadership Podcast. I'm CEO of WEPA, Shane Canfield. Looking forward to talking to you next time.
3: This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips.